let's talk about sex. Well, it is summertime, especially as we're recording this, at least. It's summertime. Yes, in our hemisphere. Yes, and <laughs> we uh, went on vacation at the very beginning of summer, and we took our camper, which this is a new one for us. We've always loved camping, but this time we took, you know, we have a little fifth wheel, and took three days to get just 700 miles away so we took a long you know it was long slow leisurely but the the very first night we left late after my wife got off work and then uh, ended up camping in the walmart parking lot of shreveport louisiana and that's an interesting experience because you know we'd always heard about you know you can camp in walmart's for free and by the way this is sexy marriage radio not camper talk (laughs) Oh wow! <laughs> but what was interesting is is we're camping and, and and it's it's you know we're sitting in the parking lot and we find this area that's kind of quiet off to the side. Kids are going to sleep and it's a little hot, so I'm just sitting up waiting until it kind of cools off. And I'm I look out the window and all of a sudden, about sixty cars just pull into the parking lot, and they're revving the engines and. You know, breaking the tires loose and tearing up, you know, just all, it's, it's a party yeah. going on. Yeah, it's, te- it's what teenagers do in my town. <laughs> well, it's what they do in Shreveport, Louisiana, too. <laughs> and so it's like, um, you know, I think we better move, you know, because we're right there by them. And the kids, you know, I hear finally one of my, my daughters, Daddy, <laughs> what's going on out there? You know, I was like, yeah, so we moved to the other side of the parking lot. And it still goes on for quite a while. Then the cops show up, break it all up. And, you know, we finally get some sleep, sort of, and then get up and leave the next morning. But it it dawned on me that, you know, you had these best laid plans. Mm-hmm. And then how it actually unfolds. Is not the sexy plans you thought of. Not even close. Not as sexy as you thought being in the Walmart parking lot. Not even close. If you'd been in our Walmart parking lot, there was 100,000 visitors to our town for Bonnaroo Ooh. Music Festival. So you would have... You would have been a little out of place, maybe, but it's awesome. That is. Well, this is Sexy Marriage Radio with Dr. Corey Allen and Gina Paris, where we try to cover everything that happens in sex and marriage, and we put those two together all the time because we believe that's where the best sex is happening. And if you want to hear more from us, hop on SexyMarriageRadio.com. And if you want to talk to us, send us an email at feedback at SexyMarriageRadio.com. Or jump on iTunes, give us a review, which we love getting feedback from our listeners. Mm-hmm. And five stars if you love it, because that helps us climb the charts and spread the word. Yeah, we love reading all the emails. We try uh, so hard to at least acknowledge each one and and touch on them here in the show. And so we do appreciate that, and we love our listeners. And we have a so, bank of emails that we have not got to yet. I know. I know. It starts to get daunting. It does. But, but one one that comes up, because this is a topic we cover quite a bit, uh, at least there's, there's threads of it through mm-hmm. our conversations that we have. And we've had a couple of shows on how to talk to your kids about sex, mm-hmm. which, which is a good topic on, on how do you approach the subject you know, with, with your kids, because it's, it's a great teaching tool. You are as a, as a parent. The other is the tendency that men and women, especially from my point of view, the tendency of men, there's lots of nice guys out there. And so we had an emailer actually, a listener email us in saying, Hey, how do you teach 
the opposite of being a nice guy or a nice girl to your kill to your children too, because that's well, a great idea. And you should define what nice guy and nice girl is in context of a of a syndrome, because otherwise it's a nice thing. Right. It's, it's not. It's, it's not, good it's to not, be nice. Yeah, it's not being a nice person. It's nice guy capital nice guy. Oh, and, capital N. And the idea of it is is it's it's the man who has totally adopted the mantra of happy wife equals happy life in every aspect of it. There's parts it's the of that. yes dear. Right. The yes dear. It's the if I could, you know, he he's fallen into this belief that he can live a problem-free existence if he can just figure out ways to please the people around him. And women have this too. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think it's something we we both both genders struggle with. So it's, but that's that's the main crux of the idea is that if I can just constantly do what other people want me to do to make them happy, I will have a problem free existence in my and, life. And ten percent of the listeners out there have that very dominant personality, with very strong alpha, and they're thinking, "What the heck are they talking about?" <laughs> well, that's because that very strong temperament is kind of in the minority. Right. So that would be the majority in my house. However, so this is always interesting conversation. Right, because they also think the 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 pleaser and the nice guy has also fallen victim to the idea that by taking by catering to other people's wants, I'll get what I want mm. without having to ask for it or at, without having to seek it. Because, you know, if I'm kind to my wife, then obviously she will reciprocate and give me what I'm looking for without me having to ask because then I don't have to risk rejection. And so it, it gets real complex in a sense. But simplistically speaking, it's just that I'm going to please everybody else around me in hopes I can get what I want out of it as opposed to I'm going to seek what I want. And, and being strong and being your most authentic, right. courageous self right. in the world. Just be you. Right. So how do we teach our kids that, how to have really basically healthy relationships um, in, with and without the whole sexual component? You know, but how, right. do, they, how do they not be a, a kind of doormat is the question I think of. That's exactly I, it. I, I have another baseball mom you know, whose daughter dates the son of the, another. So we're always together. Like four of us baseball moms are always together. And the one mom is very, very dominant and her husband's very passive. And then <laughs> she's dating a girl from another family. The boy's, you know, girlfriend is very controlling and strong. <laughs> and this lady's son is pretty passive. Well, hello. So, you know, it's really interesting. And any time that you can just observe, observe either in TV shows is what happens a lot in my house or just examples of things that we see, we just engage in, in conversation, which I think helps a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, so often we don't have conversations with our kids all the time. Mm-hmm. So try to figure out ways. That's why one of the reasons that I love driving the kids to and from school. Yeah, so, there's lots of teachable moments in the car. Exactly. And just, and it's helped me that my 14 year olds are probably the only 14 year olds I know that don't have their own cell phones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. but it's so priceless that they know how to have conversations. Yeah. Because none of their friends do. So 
so create some some parameters where you have just moments of conversation to start with. Yeah. And then the other is you model it with the, with the way you live. I mean, that's a lot of what we talk about on our show in, in general Absolutely. is, you know, I want my spouse to do something different. I want my, well, I have to model what I'm looking for as well. Otherwise there's no chance I'm going to get it. And if I do, it's going to be fleeting at best. So I, I have to, cause this is the nice guy, nice guy syndrome is me or was me years ago. And uh, right. it's something I still battle of, of just, there's something about that conflict that I would just shy away and run from and life has conflict and, and right. I can't be afraid of that. And I can't, I can't avoid it in my life. And I sure, sure can't avoid it in my marriage, you know, cause I'm, I'm married to a woman that has different views than I do and that's okay. So I have to model and, and my wife and I have to model how do we have those conversations, even in front of our kids, that are disagreements, but they're not heated. You know, they don't, they don't turn into an argument. And that's stuff that we've had, you know, I have an eight and a six-year-old in my house. Mm -hmm. And we've had times where they've, are you guys arguing? You know, mm -hmm. just because we've disagreed about something, we're like, no, we're not arguing. We just see things a little differently, and that's okay. We will we'll work this out and, and pick what's best for our family as a whole. And so it's, you model the behavior. And then the other thing that comes to my mind is when it comes down to the nice guy syndrome and the nice girl syndrome, or I, I usually term to the nice girls as pleasers to mm -hmm. a fault. Um, one of the ways I can help change that in my children is spend time specifically with each of them, you know, have some, do some gender specific kind of things. Mm -hmm. You know, especially with my son, because my belief is masculinity is the only thing that bestows masculinity. And so I have to pass some of that to my son. My wife can't. So that's where he's constantly, Dad, can we wrestle? Dad, can we, you know, <laughs> do these different things in karate? Can we, you know, and so I have in my mind different quests that I'm going on with each of my kids at age appropriate times that speak to them, but also broaden them as far as we're going to head out to nature and go climb yeah. a mountain or something. <laughs> climb a mountain. That's, that's so uh, masculine. Very good. Um, no, we do that as well. But <laughs> Kristen and I will take the twins hiking. But um, I think when you do things for your wife and you point them out, well, I do this for mommy because she likes this and it makes her feel so safe and protected mm -hmm. and that's something that daddies do for their wives mm -hmm. you know when they're little um or in our situation i have like i said a house full of pretty aggressive people very very articulate you, when jordan would just argue as maybe a 10 he's 21 now but when he'd get angry as a 10 year old and he would express himself i'd always compliment him on expressing himself yeah it, when he'd say, I'm so angry because you promised me that you would do this. And now you you're going back on your word and he'd just be furious. And I would be able to look at him and say, Jordan, that is outstanding mm -hmm. at how clearly you said that. And you're absolutely correct. And I need to, to correct my actions. And so the more that you will um, celebrate them speaking mm -hmm. up, the more that they have the confidence to do that. Right. And it's the same concept. Even when you're not in the wrong, 
and they speak right. up and express themselves because that's right. that's one of the things that's been tough is all something will happen and my kids get upset about that and they storm off and go into their room and like my son right. will throw his toys out he'll just pull them off the shelf you know he doesn't throw them <laughs> across the room against the wall but he just he's mad and so right. I'll I'll follow him in and 30 seconds a minute later and say son you are welcome to express yourself you can be angry about things. You can be mad when things don't go the way you want, but you have to make sure you don't, you know, do them in unhealthy ways. Don't destroy something else. You know, kind of still have boundaries of it, but hey, be expressive. You know, you can be mad about not getting what you want. That's fine, but seek what you yeah. want still because you, you don't always get it, but learn how to handle it better <laughs> when you don't. Well, I'd be lying if I didn't say we have patched lots of drywall oh, yeah. in our house. <laughs> so, you know, if you, one time Jordan did put his fist through the wall because he was mad at us. And I, oh man, I yelled at him. I said, that hand is your entire college scholarship. And you could have smashed all your fingers like that bozo up there for the brewers, you know. So um, every opportunity is the opportunity is. to learn. It is. It is. I also have a son who's very much the peacemaker. He's a twin. So the, one of the twins is a lot more outgoing and people oriented, gregarious. And then um, twin B, the one who was the surprise on the delivery table, he's much more of the pleaser. Mm -hmm. So when he senses any, if I'm upset at one of them, if I'm upset at Nathan, Matthew will always step in and try to go, oh, I'll fix it, you know. Yeah. and. I have to let him know, Matthew, you have such a genuine heart and you so love it when it's peaceful in this house. And I want you to learn how to be strong and be comfortable with the discomfort. And so, you know, a lot of times I'll, I'll help him just kind of walk through all those emotions. And there's something about the idea of, of a kid, I think all of us maybe even, learning how to still be assertive without infringing on other people's rights. Right. And, and also, I mean, I, I think we all suffer from, Gina, don't you believe that we all suffer from this idea of, I, I want calm. <laughs> I want, I want you know, my comfort zone. You know, I want things to be peaceful. But we've gone to an extreme in our society. This is my belief that, mm -hmm. and, and it starts as kids now because, you know, my kids play sports. I know yours have played all their life. Mm -hmm. Right. And I don't know if it started this way when, when your kids were really young, but my kids, you know, he plays, my son's six, he plays soccer and he gets a trophy. Yeah. <laughs> Just for showing up. Yeah. And it's like, hold on a sec, you know? And so I have this conflict of, he, you know, they're both, well, second place is okay, isn't it? You know, it's like, well, buddy, if you tried your best, second place is great. If you settled and didn't, didn't put in effort, no, second place is not great. You know, you need to be working towards first. We still try to win. And, and that's that whole, it seems like society's teaching them we don't want to try to win because that means somebody's a loser. But the world is still winners and losers in the way we live life. And so, <laughs> oh, man, that's a battle. I say we're winners and learners, but it's all right. I'm, <laughs> I'm a performance coach. Okay, that's fair. I mean, but it, it is, it's one of those that, there's so many teachable moments and there's even teachable moments in my own life that if I'll right. have the right perspective, I'll get the idea of, Oh wait, I could have leaned into that. I could have been better, a better sport at this because there's something about, I don't know. 
one of the, the emailer asked straight out, how can we pass this on to our kids so that it changes, so that the next generation changes? Mm-hmm. And if we're talking about just the idea of being a nice guy or being a nice girl, one of the best ways I think of is get them in some competitive activities. Get them in something where they do have to exert themselves to perform, you know, whether and it's he, physically, mentally, exactly, whatever. Because for some people, you know, they're competing for first chair in band or, you know, we're not yeah. saying they have to be Or athletes. the solo in choir or... Exactly. Yeah, and math or, I mean, find whatever it fits, but get them something to where they're they're having to sharpen their skills and hone their skills in order to get an edge to compete because that's where that's the world and life on life's terms it is but Corey, it's not always because i know a lot of extremely competitive athletes since that's one of my niches you know lots of guys who are so competitive on the field and don't know how to apply all their same skills to being excellent, to learning the rules of a game, to, um, you know, reaching past their comfort zone, being stronger than they think they are. They have all these qualities they need to make a relationship work, Mm -hmm. but they've never been told this is how to make that relationship work. So I think that it's one thing to be strong because I've gotten on my husband's case about that before. I'll say, you know, when it comes to your career or it comes to you working out in the gym, you're very aggressive. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to planning anything in the marriage or, or planning ahead or putting effort into some things at home, you're really passive. And I'll tell him that's weak. Oh, you know, you can, (laughs) it's like lighten up briquettes on fire with fluid you know so after his fury dies down i'll say well i'm not going to stop saying what i'm feeling and so i think it's important to just go ahead and use those opportunities and and sometimes i'll explain things that happen because my kids are all older now you know 21 18 and 14 and just use the opportunities to say things that we're learning right so Right. Yeah. And it's making making the transition from competitive or physical things to life and relationship things is def. I think that's a lifelong thing of how do I take this part of my life and blend it better into the others. Right. But it is still it's one of those. I don't know what comes to my mind is this something we come back to all the time. (laughs) It seems is is it's an attachment to an outcome, because even if you have it if you put it in the sports context mm-hmm. and I have an attachment to, I have to win at all costs. Mm-hmm. Well, that's too much. That's not, I'm not going to operate from the best in me then. Right. You know, I'm going to be, I'm going to be so focused on the winning part of it that I'm going to miss and not really perform the way I should. So it's one of those that I have to learn how to still operate from what I want and who I am and, and, yeah, I'm striving to win. I'm striving to do whatever. I'm striving to have something happen in my house or to lead my household in a certain way. But that doesn't mean if I don't get it, I don't still operate from the best in me. Uh, yeah, and that's always going to be the key is you, you know, instead of being a pleaser in order to a pleaser because you're in a lower state or you're feeling like a victim, you're trying to manipulate something. We want to be, even if you say still pleasing, we want to be 
serving those people that we know and love around us, serving our mate from the best of us to the best in them. And it's a, it's just kind of a mindset difference, you know, whether you're seeing yourself as from a weakened position or from a position of strength. So anytime you are being a discoverer of their needs, you're understanding, Hey, you know, this, this person I love has an overriding need for security. That's not my overriding need, but I'm going to do what I can to meet mm-hmm. their need. That's makes you powerful, right. not weaker. Right. So understanding what makes them tick and, and, and serving that from the best in you makes you powerful. Yeah, I c- what comes to my mind is a phrase from uh, John Eldridge in his book, Wild at Heart. He writes the statement of let the world feel the weight of you and let them deal with it. And, and we go through so many times in life where we try to just be a wallflower or be unnoticed or not make waves. And that's not who we're called to be, you know, as, as authentic selves, as childs, you know, sons and daughters of God. And it's, we're called to be, to make a difference. We're called to be light. We're called to be right. impactors and influencers in the world. And so they're going to feel our weight. And the, the flip side of it is I, I, think, I think of an analogy where you're at a subway stop in, in a busy city and it's packed with people at rush hour and somebody's standing on your toe <laughs> and you don't say anything and you're in excruciating pain. But if you were to speak up and say, uh, excuse me, you're standing on my toe, more than likely – if not almost certainty, they would be, oh, I'm so sorry. I had no idea. And they would move and be fine. But it's like there's something in nice guys and nice girls that just even saying that is so uh. daunting and scary that, okay, so it's more about, all right, start speaking for what you want. Start saying what you want. Start seeking what you want. Doesn't mean you get it. This is something I teach my kids. You know, they, dad, I'm, I'm hungry. That doesn't tell me anything. What do you want? Then we'll start figuring out how to, a solution. You know, so it's it's slight semantics. It is, and it's teaching them. You know, in, in our house, if they ask for something and they're pouty instead of compl- <laughs> you know, there's nothing to eat. That will just make me furious. Uh-huh. So I'll say, listen, I want you to be specific and tell me what you're looking for and what do you want, and expect a positive outcome. Right. So. It's, it's always times to learn and, right. and teach. And then, you know, on the whole sexual end of it, a lot of our conversations happen when we're watching TV and movies because anything on TV and in the movies is different <laughs> than what my core values are. Right. So um, that helps. Well, and then that applies to the adult world on mm-hmm. when, you t- when you enter into the bedroom of seeking what you want. Because most of the time, if you're looking at it from the masculine-feminine dynamic – you know, masculinity is designed, in my mind, to be to penetrate, to pursue. It's kind of a powerful thing. Femininity is designed for receptiveness and openness and vulnerability. And so if you speak up from your masculine for what you want, that usually is received well <laughs> by a spouse of, hey, I'm on for that. Let's go. You know, but so often it's like, oh, I wonder if we could do this, but you don't speak up or you know, so it's like if you want to do something, try it, and you treat your spouse as if they will take care of themselves and say no, and you don't take mm-hmm. that personal, and you try something else. And I mean, that's where you bring in the creativity and the eroticism. And but for some reason, 
nice guys, nice girls, we suffer from timidness. <laughs> and it timid mm -hmm. is anything but sexy. <laughs> and, and yeah, strong and, and authentic. Right. So um, as much as possible, live from your, your strongest, most confident, most authentic self and point out to your children when they are and when they're not and what's wonderful and strong about them. Celebrate it. And, and yeah, celebrate it. Pull that out even more. Yep. So that's a good question. And then maybe you can also celebrate that among your spouse and yourself. That you, When you notice times, you know, hey, I love when you whatever you know yeah. when you see strength in them and the way they act or handle themselves in something because that's that there's all kinds of opportunities and that's that's a matter that's a chance to be more curious about each other learn each other mm -hmm. and it's a lifelong quest then yeah absolutely well this has been sexy marriage radio we're glad you joined us yeah join us next time we'll talk more about sex less about kids Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Wherever you are. Hope you have a great day. Let's talk about.